Romans 6, we finished up verse 8 this morning. We're in verse 9. The Bible says, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. And we know that it was one atonement for sin. And that one time sacrifice, that one atonement for sin, we know that it was sufficient for all. Very easy to understand that you've been saved any length of time. In order to get saved, you should know that. Revelation 1, look at the verse, uh, verse number 18. Jesus says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. That means we have what no one else has, a living Savior who is alive forevermore. Praise God. And in Romans 6, verse number 9, when you look at that, it says, Christ being raised from the dead. And we, we see two natures because in his death, when he came down here on earth, we see his nature of humanity. And so his death, that person of, of Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, we see his humanity, Jesus Christ, Jesus but the other, the other nature, nature we see being raised from the dead, we see death, but being raised, that's the resurrection. That's his nature of divinity. So we have two natures here in verse number nine. We have his nature of humanity and we have his nature of divinity. And we have two benefits. It's the death of death. <laughs> right? Because he, I mean, he defeated death. It's the death of death. And then we also have the nature of a reviving of life. So we have those two comparisons there. Colossians 3, you don't turn there, but it says in verse number 2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. We talked about this before. It's easy to get distracted with earthly things. It's not like we don't have to... It's not like God calls us to be irresponsible with earthly things. It's more of a setting of where the affections are. You know, you can use a lot of earthly things for eternal means, if you will. And that's our, it should be every believer's goal, right? Setting our affections, not on earthly, but on heaven. What also is interesting in verse number nine in Romans chapter six, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Meaning, the no more there means it was sufficient. It's not like Lazarus. You know, he was raised from the dead, but it's not like he's alive. He died again. Right? It's, it, it's, not, this, it's not the same thing here with Jesus Christ. Uh, he dieth no more. And why did he die? Well, behold, the Lamb of God, which what? Taketh away the sins of the world. So he died to take away sin. Acts chapter 3. You don't have to turn there. But it says. Repent you therefore and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. So he, he died not only to take away sins. But to blot them out. And you're either going to have your sins blotted out. Or you're going to have your name blotted out. The book of life. There's going to be some blotting. <laughs> you want to make sure that. 
You have your sins blotted out. And Christ can do that. He came to take away sins. He came to blot out your sins. And 1 Peter chapter 2, let's look at that one. Christ takes away sins. He blots out sins through his death. And then 1 Peter 2. Uh, 1 Peter 2 verse 24. The Bible says. Who his own self bear our sins on the tree. Except I left out three or four words there. Because him bearing our sins was in a specific place in his own body. His body bore our sins, that body of flesh. To his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye are healed. He's the healer. He takes away sin. He blots out sin. And 1 Peter 2 shows us very clearly that he is the one and only sin bearer. And Christ is all. He is the sin bearer. And we've got to get a hold of that, especially in our, in our witnessing efforts. But not only that, but in our, in, our, in our Christian living. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was perfect in his person. He was perfect in his obedience. He was perfect in his humility. He was perfect in his love. The value is so great. That's why we see it called or, or illustrated in the Bible as plenteous redemption. In Psalms 130. Now that's concerning Israel. But his, his, the salvation that he offers, it's plenteous. Ephesians 2 said exceeding riches of his grace. 1 Timothy 1 4 says the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. It's rich, it's abundant, it's plenteous. And he died for all. Get Hebrews 2 and we'll stay in Romans 6 verse 9. Let's look at Hebrews 2. A good one. There we go. Uh, keep your finger in Hebrews 2. We'll, we'll go to Romans 6. We'll stay in verse 9 for a second here before we move to Hebrews 2. Um, because the next thing it says, death, uh, Christ being raised from the dead, death no more. It says, death hath no more dominion over him. Now, remember back in Romans 5, it sounded like death had some domain. It, it sounded like it had some dominion. It was like five or six times I wrote down the, the, the phrases, uh, but it says in Romans 5, death passed upon all men. Many be dead. Twice it's referenced as death reigned. And then it says sin hath reigned unto death. Romans 5 gives a big clear picture of how death had some dominion. It had a lot of domain. But death hath no more dominion. Why? Because of one man, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We got to deal with a lot of danger here on this earth. A lot of suffering. A lot of trials and diseases. And in many ways, we all live under the power and the domain of death. 
And if we escape it today, well, tomorrow is here. And now it's like, okay, we still have dangers. We still have all of it. It's every day. And. But the Lord has dominion over that. He does. And if we are in Christ, we have dominion over that. It doesn't happen. Death has no rule, has no power at all over Jesus Christ. It's not coming anywhere near Christ's throne. He defeated it. In other words, Christ has dominion over death. Now get Hebrews 2. We get that. That's easy for us to all get a hold of. Romans or Hebrews 2. Look at verse 14. Hebrews 2.14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through, watch it, death, he might what? Destroy him that had the power of death. Someone had some power, someone had some dominion, there were some principalities, there were some powers that did have dominion. They don't have domain anymore. He destroyed it. Him that hath the power of death, that is the devil. That's why, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Praise the Lord. So that's Romans 6, verse 9. Let's look at verse 10. Get a couple passages of scripture as we go through Romans 6, verse 10. Let's read it. Um, First, the Bible says, for in that he died, that's Christ, he died unto sin once, that's Christ, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. That's a hearty verse. Let's cross-reference to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse number 8. <clears throat> Philippians 2, verse number 8, Bible says, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. You know, you know, <laughs> you know what? That is so astonishing. Because if, you know, God, we get it. <laughs> you know. But someone that comes as a man that can humble himself, all of us that are men know how hard it is to humble ourselves. We, we want to be on the winning side. We want to, we want to win the argument. We want to win the fight. We want to win the job uh, when we put our application in. We want to be the guy that wins that position, right? But I'm telling you, he did something here. He humbled himself as a man, the man Christ Jesus, and became obedient unto death and not only that it says even the death of the cross in other words sometimes you can get the point let's just end it <laughs> just you know you've been in situation we all have you know you just been in a troublesome situation you just want it to be over with not so with jesus christ that wasn't the thought 
it was obedient unto death. Hold on. Even the death of the cross. Now that's. That's humbling to think about. He died, died unto sin once. But he that liveth, he liveth unto God. And the full satisfaction we see here. Verse number nine. Wherefore. God hath, God also hath highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. Full satisfaction of the sin debt has been paid. But not only that. He's been raised from the dead. And not only that. He's exalted. Exalted. He's at an exalted position. First Peter 1. Bible says in verse 3, First Peter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This verse gives us the comfort against the fearful thought of dying. We have a lively hope. So we don't need to fear death. This, this verse right here. Is a comforting verse. When you attend the funeral of a saved brother or sister in Christ. Why? Well. They have a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that fadeth not away. Reserved. In heaven for you. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know what the most expensive restaurant in town is. But I'm going to guess you probably have to make reservations. We got something so much better. And if you're saved. God's got a spot reserved for you. Amen. First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, look at verse 55. First Corinthians 15, verse 55. We said, uh, we mentioned already, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Look at verse 56 in First Corinthians 15. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory in Jesus, right? The chapter doesn't end there. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Now, that doesn't mean you grab an assigned seat at the church house. And you mark that as your reservation. <laughs> and you just sit there and you don't move and do any service for God. I know we call it a church service. But by and large, we are being fed the word of God so we can be more fully equipped for his service. Yes. Does that make sense? So this idea of just sitting in a pew and not moving isn't really what God had in mind when he said be unmovable. Okay. 
He said, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What do you see in that passage? It better be of the Lord and it better be in the Lord. That's our work. This is concerning Romans 6 verse 10. For in, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. How about you and I? Are we living unto God concerning our service and our work? Is it for the Lord and of the Lord? Are we living unto God? That's the question. When you see, uh, well, grab Acts 2. Keep your finger in Acts 2 and, and stay in Romans 6. Acts 2 and Romans 6. I look at Romans 6 verse 10. It says. Uh, Romans 6 verse 10. For in that. He died. It's looking at the design of his death. In verse 10. For in that. And then it says. He died unto sin. Destroyed sin. Made an atonement for sin. We get that. He put away sin. We talk about that. And as a Christian, you and I were baptized into his death. That's a picture of sin being destroyed. We're raised in the newness of life. And it's the picture that we shouldn't indulge in sin. We are now a new creature. We are now disgusted at sin. And we spoke about that this morning. We should forsake sin. A principle that's easy for Christians to get a hold of and teach and preach on. Sometimes hard to apply in our lives, yet we are we should be compelled to do that. But when it says he died unto sin, this can be interpreted two ways: a blasphemous way and then a biblical way. You can say, by reason of sin in himself, and just by saying that it's blasphemous. So we need to be careful how we read the Bible. How we read into the Bible. Right? That's a blasphemous statement. The second interpretation would be correct. On account of the sin of others. For in that he died. He died unto sin. What sin? The sin of others. You might be important today. I might be important today. I've got responsibilities. Men especially have the responsibility of caring for and providing for your family. But if you were to die tonight, it doesn't matter how much love you have for your household. It's, it, that's not going to bring you back. Those obligations now that you had, that you were excited to serve God for, they're gone. You're dead. You can be busy and in society one day and then gone 
the next. Death brings a sudden stop to everything. And if a believer in Christ, someone here died tonight, it wouldn't be difficult for them. <laughs> the difficulty would be for us and that person's immediate family, especially. They're happy. <laughs> I'm not making light of it. I'm just saying that death hits. It ends obligations and responsibilities that you've had. Acts 2. This is important for us to get a hold of. Verse 24. Acts 2, 24. Whom God hath raised up. Having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Death isn't the end for the believer. It's just the beginning. I, I know we all want to go and be with the Lord. I know that. None of us are going to let me go now. There's, there's a part of us that we understand we have things we want to do things that we're called to do, things that we feel compelled that the Lord would have us to do. So we don't want to sign up for going home and being with the Lord tonight. Yet it could happen to any of us at any time. And guess what? We're with Christ. He, he defeated death. So that's the idea there. And I think we got a hold of that. In Romans chapter 6, verse 10, it says... For in he, uh, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, only once, and once for all. We get that. But isn't it strange that you have to say once when referring to death? <laughs> it's like, why don't why doesn't it just say uh, he died unto sin? But in he that liveth, he liveth unto God. Could it be perhaps that? There would be millions of people coming to a mass every Sunday where they are doing another sacrifice over and over again. Could it be to picture that all of those Old Testament sacrifices now are done away with? There's a one time perfect sacrifice. I think so. Once one sacrifice, not something that a priest is doing on a bloody altar. It's...